Good morning. I know you celebrated uh, last week Dusty's 20th year, and uh, I missed that. I was sorry to miss that, and I just appreciate Dusty and uh, his ministry here and all that he adds to uh, this church. Uh, I would have loved to have been a part of that, but we, we were a part of our own celebration. I don't know if uh, you know what was going on last week with our family. My brother-in-law, Dave Bycroft, uh, was retiring from the church in Tyro after being there for 47 and a half years. And, uh, you know, that's almost unheard of these days, to be in one church for that kind of time. In case you don't know the story, Tyro uh, is a town of 250. That's probably counting all the dogs and cats and and uh, everything that moves there. And uh, 47 and a half years ago, Dave took that ministry, 40 people in the church, and uh, today they average around 1,000 every Sunday. Uh, Last week was a lot of fun. Uh, There was probably twice that many people in church last week as lots of folks had had come back that had moved away, and uh, they were there to help celebrate Dave's retirement. It was really like a homecoming, Uh, and it was fun to see a lot of old friends that we hadn't seen in a long time. And uh, I was blessed to be a part of the, the evening service where a tribute was given to Dave. Of course, that's where I started my ministry. I was there for seven years. That's where I met Cindy. And, uh, you know, we got married there in those early years. And uh, so it was a great weekend. And I am happy to tell you that Dave is actually going to be here at the end of the month, the 26th of February. He's going to be preaching here. How many of you have heard Dave preach before? Okay, good number of you. Uh, I, I would imagine in the, in the second service there will be few hands that will go up, uh, folks that have heard Dave. But it's an opportunity for him to come here, for me to share him with you. Uh, he'll preach two different sermons that particular Sunday on the subject of going, as we are in that subject all this month of February. He's going to be preaching those two sermons. I would ask you to consider being here for both services that day. There will be breakfast in between the services and the gym. Dave has influenced me more than any other person outside of my immediate family. And so I I am so happy to share him with you on that particular day. In fact, uh, I I wrote a tribute to Dave about him, the influence that he has been on my life. And this this coming week, as our e-newsletter goes out, I'm going to put that in there. I would love it if you would take the time to read that uh, tribute about Dave and you can kind of just get a feel of what he means to me personally. Uh, now, if you don't get email next Sunday, I'll try and have some hard copies in the lobby and you can pick those up and, and read that. Speaking of anniversaries today, 44 years here, Community Christian Church. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, it was Saturday, November 5th, 2011. University of Tennessee freshman Derek Brodus was lying on his couch 
in his fraternity house. He was waiting for the Tennessee Volunteers football game to come on at 7 p.m. Less than an hour before the kickoff, Derek's phone rang. And he started fumbling around trying to find his phone. He found it. He answered it. And he was shocked to hear on the other end of the line one of the coaches of the Tennessee football team saying to him that they needed to have him at the stadium immediately. They were going to send a police escort to him to bring him to the stadium. Derek says, I thought it was a dream. I was just lying on the couch relaxing and I answered my phone and they just tell me that I need to come to the stadium as soon as possible. You see, minutes before that phone call, Tennessee's backup kicker had pulled a muscle during the pregame warm-ups. And just a couple of days earlier than that, on Thursday, the regular kicker for the team had gotten injured, and he had already been scratched for Saturday's game, and Derek's number was being called. He was a walk-on who had tried out for the team at the beginning of the season, and he didn't make the team. And now he was, he was being called to come to the stadium and be a part of that evening game of the Tennessee Volunteers. And so, really what was happening, he was catapulted from the living room to the locker room, from the, sta- from the sofa to the stadium. He was their only option. And when he arrived, he was rushed into the the locker room. The team's trainer uh, stretched him in the locker room while he was putting on pads. And and he put on a jersey that he didn't even even have uh, his name on the back of the jersey. And surprisingly, early in the game, the coach called his number and he made the most of the opportunity. Derek made all three of his extra points and even kicked a 21-yard field goal at the end of the first half. And the Volunteers won that game 24 to nothing. And in the locker room after the game, the kicker who, who began the evening as a couch potato ended the evening as a college football hero. The coach even gave him the game ball. Pretty amazing story, isn't it? I want you to know that your number has been called. And my number has been called. And the person on the other end of the line is Jesus. And he is calling for us to go with the good, the good news to the lost and dying world. And you know what? We do not have to be superstars. We just have to be available and willing to go and to be used of Him. I want to give to you some points this morning that I hope will be helpful to you as we continue this emphasis on the discipline of going. Now remember, we're seeking to be a cross-fit Christian, and if we're going to do that, we need to be going with the gospel. Number one, develop a mindset. Develop a mindset. All of us are called to go with the gospel. And it should be, in fact, what we are about. Let me read to you a couple of pages from a book that I read a while back. It's entitled, The Irresistible Church. It's written by a fellow named Wayne 
Cordero, and this is what he says. Early on in our ministry, we decided to place great emphasis on winning souls for Christ. We wanted to become a harvest church, one that sees a great many people turn from despair and darkness to victory, strength, and confidence based on the work of Jesus on the cross. Of all the noble activities we could be involved in, we wanted to be known for one thing, helping people find their way to the Savior. We may not be the best at hosting social events or church conferences or having huge buildings with impressive budgets, but in the end, what matters the most will be the souls that have been redeemed. In light of that, we deliberately created a culture that helps people connect everything to a soul. We do that without apology, and we do it in informal and formal ways. For instance, in the early years of New Hope, that's the beginning of his church, I remember talking with one of our wonderful volunteers who arrived early one morning to help set up. In those days, our loudspeakers were attached to stands. The speakers were then manually raised to an appropriate height so the sound could be projected over the heads of the congregation for optimum dispersion. Just as the volunteer was completing the task, I posed a simple question to him. I said to him, do you know what you are doing? Well, I'm setting up a speaker, he said. Really? I replied, is that all? Yep, that's about it. I've been doing this each week for for six months. What would you say if I told you that that you were doing much more than that? Quizzically, he turned to me and said, okay, now you've got me uh, hooked. What, what are you getting at? What, what am I doing? You are making it possible for a new person to hear the gospel clearly and without distraction, probably for the first time in his life. I said, because of your efforts here, when that person responds positively to Christ, when he gives his life to to God's offer of forgiveness and salvation, we will rejoice together. Why? Because I didn't lead him to Christ. We did it together. He broke into a huge grin. I see what you mean. Thank you for your work in helping lead people to Christ. I held out my hand and shook his hand. I left the auditorium and walked over to the children's section. There I found a young woman from our Pacific Rim Bible College. She was volunteering in the nursery as a part of her work-study program. What are you doing, I asked. Why? Well, I'm, I'm changing a diaper, she, she replied. She studied me for a moment, thinking, then voiced her thoughts. That's kind of a strange question, isn't it? Pastor, you've got kids with a minimum of observation skills. Anyone can recognize what I'm doing. I press forward. What if I told you that you're not actually changing a diaper? She wrinkled her nose. I can tell you uh, I most certainly am. Nope, I said. Then you tell me, Pastor, just what I am doing, she said with a wry smile, knowing something was up, but not quite knowing what. You are making it possible for a young mother to entrust her child into the care of another, and because of that, she is able to listen to the gospel without being distracted by the constant needs of her child. At the end of the service, when a young mother opens her heart to God, I didn't lead her to Christ. We did it 
together. She smiled. Thank you for your work in helping lead people to Christ, I said. I, I read that and I thought, wow, if, if we could have that kind of mindset in everything that we did, not just as a church, but as individuals, say, for instance, this upward basketball season to come, uh, maybe some of you will be coaching the kids in that program. I want you to know that your purpose is so much bigger and nobler than that of just teaching the kids the game of basketball. Rather, it is your opportunity to influence them for Jesus and their families for Jesus, to be an encourager to them, to be a light to them, to plant seeds that hopefully someday will produce a harvest for the kingdom. The same could be said for the person who is coaching a Little League baseball team this summer or a Little League uh, softball team or even the swim team. Your purpose is much more than just teaching those young children the fundam fundamentals of the, of the sport. Your purpose is to be a representative of Jesus Christ to those young kids and to their families around them and to in some way point them towards the Savior. Now that doesn't mean that you're just preaching a sermon to them every time you see them or hitting them over the head with a Bible, but you are living your life in front of them, a life that is representative of Jesus, and you are planting seeds and you are purposefully trying to point them in the direction of Jesus. If we could just gain that mindset that everything we do, we are doing it for Him and for His glory and to try and point people in His direction. If you're greeting folks at the door right here at this church building on a Sunday morning, if you're out there handing out bulletins or you're shaking hands in the lobby, I, I want you to know you're doing a whole lot more than just saying hello to people as they come in the door and giving them a handshake and, and, and handing them a bulletin. You are greeting them with the love of Jesus. You are giving them a smile. You are giving to them a kind word, a handshake. You have a demeanor about you that says, we are really glad that you are here this morning and you are helping that person feel welcomed and relaxed and you are helping them to be more receptive to the truth of the gospel that is about to be preached. Do you meet with a coffee group through the week? Keep in mind, the people in that group have souls that are going to go to one place or the other after they die. And your purpose for meeting with them is not just to drink coffee and have fellowship with them, although that is a fine thing to do, but your primary purpose should be to have a representation of Jesus to those people in that group and to see if there is some way that you can plant a seed in those people's hearts that one day will begin to grow and you're praying for those people. Maybe they're actually the, the people whose name you have written down and said, this is the person that I want to influence for Jesus. And you're praying for them on a regular basis. 
And so you're looking for opportunities to speak up in the name of Jesus. And you're living a light in front of them. And as you converse with them around the coffee table, you're refusing to gossip. You're refusing to just complain about this and that and the other. Instead, you're choosing to be a different person. All because you have a mindset that God has called you to influence people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we could develop that kind of mindset that He has called us to be His light. He has called us to be His ambassador. He has called us to be His representative, His witness to the world. And so, as we go to the game, we are to be His representative. Which means we are to shine like stars in how we conduct ourselves at the game. As we go to the office, as we go to the workplace, we are His representatives. As we go to school, we are His representatives. And we are to be influencing people around us for Him. We are to try and encourage them to plant seeds for Him that hopefully someday will produce a harvest for the kingdom. Wow. What is our motivation for this kind of mindset? I'll tell you, the love of Jesus is our motivation. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. His love compels us. That means, uh, the word compelled means to be pressed in spirit. In other words, His love urges us. It controls us, is what the New American Standard Bible says. There's a verse in Luke chapter 12, verse 50, that has the same Greek word in it. I thought it was interesting. Jesus is speaking in this verse, and this is what he says. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is accomplished. The word constraint, same Greek word as what is the word in 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul says we are compelled to preach the gospel. Now, what is Jesus talking about here in Luke chapter 12, 50? That he is under such constraint to to, uh, undergo this baptism. What's the baptism that he's talking about? It's his death. You see, he is consumed with this mindset that he's going to sacrifice himself on Calvary's cross and he knows that time is drawing near it has his full undivided attention 
This is what is weighing heavily upon his heart. This is his mission. This is why he has come to give a sacrifice of his life for you and for me. He says, this mission that is ahead of me, it is constraining me. It is driving me to the cross. Now you take that concept, that kind of mindset, and Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, this is the kind of mindset that we ought to have by the love of Christ. We are constrained to preach the gospel. We are compelled. We are controlled to preach the gospel. His love drives us to this mindset that we are no longer our own. We are His. We are alive to Him. And we are called to go with the good news of Jesus Christ. All of this means that we are to die to the mindset that says, well, it's, it's the preacher's job to do that. Or it's somebody else's job besides me to do that. No, it's, it's our job. It is our responsibility. It is our privilege to go with the good news of Jesus because He has loved us to the point that He died for us. And so if we want to have some help in this, this discipline of going, I think it all starts when we get this mindset that we are His. He has loved us. We are no longer our own. And He has called us to go. Let me give to you a second point that I hope will be helpful to you. Develop a burden. Not just a mindset, but develop a burden. Keep in mind, the mindset is here in our mind. The burden, where do you think it is? It's here. It's it's here in our heart. It's weighing heavy upon us. This, This this. need to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And and who is this burden for? It's for the lost. It's for those who are unchurched. We love them and we want them to be in heaven with us for eternity. We know that if they don't have Jesus in their heart, then heaven cannot be their eternal home. And that should bother us. That should weigh heavy upon us that people we love might not be in heaven. And that burden should then drive us to speak to them about Jesus. Do you remember Paul's burden for the lost? Let me me read to you a couple of passages of Scripture. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Paul writes this, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Now, as I read that passage, I just, I just sense a heaviness in Paul's spirit. It, it's so clear in that passage, he is heavily burdened over the salvation of his people. He says, my heart's desire. Desire and my 
prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Let me back up one chapter. Chapter 9 of Romans, verses 1 to 3. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. I read that and I think, oh my goodness. I'm not there yet. Paul is saying, I could could give myself for these people. If they they could, could believe and go to heaven, I would be willing to be cursed for them. I'm not there yet. I don't have that kind of burden. For lost people. I want to have a burden for lost people. I want that burden to become more and more. I I was thinking about some of the things we humans tend to get burdened about. Think, Think about that. People around you, what do you see them burdened about? I was watching... Uh, TV this last week and and a fellow on TV was being interviewed and as he sat there he had this beagle dog on his lap he was being uh, questioned and and from the answers that he was given to those questions I, I could pretty much assure you that this fellow's mission in his life is to save dogs I mean, he is a real dog lover. He has rescued thousands of dogs from being slaughtered. And he was on national TV to try and get other people to have the same burden and love for homeless dogs as what he has. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I like dogs. I've, I've always... Uh, Since I was a little boy, I've always had a dog, always uh, an outside dog. I've never had an inside dog, but I have always had a dog, and I give care to my dog. I feed my dog, and I water my dog. And I I make sure that that I, I even, from time to time, this is my dog. This is Padme. I even have doggy treats. For Padme from time to time. And I make sure that there is hay in Padme's house. In fact, I have a picture of her doghouse. I rebuilt her doghouse a few years ago. And uh, when the, when the hailstorm came through, what, five years ago, the roofers put a new roof <laughs> on Padme's doghouse. So I'm I treat my dog pretty good most of the time. I love my dog. She runs down the road with me when I run. Uh, It started out to be Jonathan's dog. She's 13 years old. 13 years ago was about the time Jonathan was getting ready to go off to college. Two months before 
he went off to college. He brought home this dog. He was working, actually, with Leon Stark at the time, and he brought this dog home, and he says, can we have this dog? It was, it's, it was about to meet its end. The owner wasn't going to put up with all of these puppies, and I said, sure, we can, we can keep that dog, and you can have that dog. Well, two months later, he went off to college. Guess who got the dog? I still have the dog. I'm good with dogs. But I'm thinking my love for a human soul should look differently than what my love for Padme looks like. Shouldn't it? I mean, shouldn't that be a different look? Padme is not going to last forever. Human souls last forever. And we get so wrapped up and burdened over things that are so temporary. I'm wondering, as you were thinking a few minutes ago of what people that are in your sphere of influence, what they get so wrapped up in, what they get so burdened over... I imagine a lot of what people get burdened over and wrapped up in is very temporary. The human soul is something that we need to have a burden for. And I want to ask you, to I want to encourage you to pray to God to help you have a burden for lost souls. Would you pray that prayer? God, would you give me your burden for lost souls? Will you help me to see things clearly? Help me to have this mindset that lost souls are important, that lost souls really matter. Lord, would you give me a burden? that lost souls really do matter? And then thirdly, develop a willingness to go. You see, we have the the mindset here and we have the burden here. The, the, The willingness to go is here with our hands and with our feet and, and just our, our mouth. If, if it's just here and here, it's not enough. It has to translate into action. We have to be willing to be used by God to take the good news of Jesus to the world. And in reality, to take the good news of Jesus to our world. There are some people that only you can reach. In fact, that's something that my brother-in-law, Dave Bycroft, used to say a lot. There are some people that only you can reach. It's likely that some of those ones that you can reach, I could never have have a chance at. They might not even give me the time of day, but they will listen to you because you are their friend. They have they have 
been with you and they have seen that you are for real and your faith is for real. They trust you and they know that you care about them. You have shown love to them. And so, they'll hear what you have to say. They might would not hear what I have to say to them, but they will hear what you have to say to them. And that's true for every single one of us. There are people in your sphere of influence that only you can reach. I am so glad that there were people who reached out to me. People who loved me and cared enough about me to teach me and lead me to Jesus. And you could say the same thing. There are people in your life that you can look back over your shoulder and you say, they cared about me enough to tell me the truth, to to share the good news of Jesus with me. I want to encourage you today to be that person for somebody else. Develop a willingness to go. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you give us that mindset? Would you give us that burden? And would you help us to be willing to go for you? I'm so thankful, dear Jesus, that you were willing to come here. You were willing to leave heaven, the comfort, the glory. Of that, that place that is beyond our imagination. You left there to come here and dwell among us for a while. You have shown us a willingness to go. And so, God, would you help us? Would you place people on our mind, on on our heart? Give us courage. Give us compassion. We pray this in Jesus' name.